It's Wednesday, the 1st of March in the year of our Lord, 2023, and it's just gone noon here in the UK. No Catherine with me today. She's off down outside the Senate in Cardiff. If you are in Cardiff, please go down there and give a little bit of support to the incredible mums and dads of Public Child Protection Wales. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about them with my guest, who I'm very, very delighted to have on. It is, he seems to be the star of the moment. Um, he really is doing incredible videos. They are being reached everywhere. He hasn't been censored, I don't think, yet. <laughs> uh, the wonderful, lovely English gentleman, Mr Richard Verhoops. Hello. Hello. I didn't know who you were talking about then. I was talking about you. You're doing incredible work. Your videos. Are you being censored yet, Richard? Not as far as I know. I mean, I've had a couple where I had the little yellow thing saying it's limited advertising, that sort of thing. And then I challenged it and they said, are you sure? And then about a day or so later, they said, no, no, it's fine. Fantastic. Well, let's start. I'm Richard Vobes. If you haven't checked out his YouTube channel, it is Richard Vobes. And you and your wife do a show as well, don't you? The English couple. We do. She's not actually my wife, but she uh, you, you never know. The, the, the better half. Yes, better that's half. right. She's, she's a lot more attractive than I am. <laughs> and where did it all start, Richard? Let's talk a little bit about you, um, because you. it seems over the last six months you are everywhere everybody is loving you so what what woke you up where did it all begin let's talk where did it all begin for you Richard golly that is a question I mean how far do you want to go back we um, want to go way way let's go where where, where were you born what up, up you know well, I was born upbringing. I was born in Lys in Hampshire not that I really remember it terribly much but in a cottage hospital which actually is quite nice because being an independent person it's sort of all these little things that happened to you they all seem to have some sort of bearing yes. so it was a an independent little cottage hospital which I I think is a care home now or something like that I have been back although okay. not actually into the premises I'd love to go back to find the room where I plopped out into the world <laughs> uh, uh, you know because you just think well that's it is like a little human portal isn't it wouldn't yeah. it be great to stand on the point where you said this is where I first came out I didn't recognize it then do I recognise it now? Probably not. Um, so I, I grew up there and, and moved to Horsham in Sussex after about five years. And I got a love of recording things with my dad's old Grundig, uh, rec not record player, reel-to-reel -reel tape recorder. Okay. And so I loved that sort of thing. And then I got into Super 8 filmmaking I uh, was pretty hopeless at school, went to an all-boys uh, comprehensive school in the 1970s. So I was born in the 60s, went to school in the 70s, um, didn't like it, didn't really get on. Teachers were unable really to do very much. There, were, there was about three teachers who could hold the boys' attention. And mo either they were talking very passionately about the subject in hand, like my history teacher, who was fascinating, or the French teacher, as I remember him, was talking about life. And in a boys' school, that mainly meant about girls. Yes. So he would tell us about his conquests and things like that. Which And, and because he was a French teacher, there was that something about the, you know, the uh, yeah, 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 yeah. choir about it. <laughs> um, I don't know why. And so that was one. But mostly the classes were disruptive and um, 
just I didn't really get on the drama I wanted to do because I was interested in acting but uh, most of the kids just saw it as a um a dos you know they could yeah. just sort of muck about that was the same I was at an all-girls school um, oh, were you? Run, by, run by nuns in Hertfordshire and it was exactly the same exactly the same I got in detention and told off and taken to the headmasters after school talking to a boy in my school uniform oh blimey I know so yeah so after school what path did you did you do the college university where, where did it take you well I was so into my filmmaking um my careers master we had him for about half an hour he was a science teacher one minute and then for half an hour became a careers teacher it was incredible he suddenly doffed his hat and said here Richard what do you want to do when you leave school and I said, well, I'd like to be an actor or a film director, please. And he just looked at me with a sly grin. And and he had one of those little boxes with the card index. You remember the old fashioned yes, card? Yes, in? yes, yes. And, and he said, I've got a job here if you want to do it. It's in printing. So I said, all right, then I'll do that. You know, it's like there was obviously no, no. Follow hope. your dreams. Yeah, exactly. There's like, no, no, we're not even going to entertain the idea. Um, but so I went and worked for a little firm. So I'd left school at 15 because I was yeah. sort of quite young in my year. So it just so happened I wasn't yet 16 left. And I did that for two and a half years in a little, tiny little reprographics place. But what it did teach me was talking to people because I had to I did a bit of everything from from meeting customers coming in, doing the the letter set artwork and trying to do these. Oh, what 500 billets, please, mate. <laughs> So you'd get, okay, so what you mean is invoices, sir? No, just billets. Yeah, that's the same thing. So, you know, and then you'd make the plates, you do the printing, you wrap it, and then you give it to the the clients, and you always put a good one on top, so that's what they saw. They didn't see the, the ones which, <laughs> the, where the registration was slightly out or it was a, the scum, you know, a little bit ink and water, not the right mix. Anyway, all of, all of the yeah. stuff, you know. But it did teach me, it taught me about how to present myself on paper because that was quite, and I didn't realise that I would be doing that with websites and design for leaflets and things for future things. Because yeah. you never quite know what the future is lining you up for. You think you sometimes you just think you're wasting your time, but actually, all these things really do. It's only, they do actually. They quite, don't they? quite right. I haven't even thought about that. I never dreamed. I was I was teaching um, kids how to ride horses, and I worked for a car rental firm, Europe Car, like in their head office. Then who uh, never I, I hated I didn't like drama and everything at school I hated it never thought I'd be doing anything like this but this is now all I can do so it is bizarre but certain things have set you up for for the journey that you're going to do even though they're, they're not even related absolutely so I mean so I, anyway I worked for this printer and eventually some clients came in and they were setting up a sound studio well they had a sound studio they were setting up a video studio so now when was this this was in the let's think late a bit uh, about 80s yeah early 80s they were setting up a video studio and as they came into the print room and they had all this printing and they and I would I was talking to them I said oh have you have you ever done any video or filming before and they went no no I haven't done any of that and I said and I, I just cheekily said oh well um <clears throat> I've done a bit of filmmaking you know this is all like you know your amateur three and a half minute super eight stuff that you but and they were going oh really what what sort of stuff are you oh you know I've made my own films and this set and, you know and they said oh well, we are looking for somebody so I jumped ship I left that oh, job and I went into the uh, into this thing well unfortunately 
because um, I'm quite short-sighted. Um, I I was I one day I'd lost my glasses, you see, and I managed to get in to the where they were on this old farm, and I'd lost my glasses, and they needed me to go whilst they were setting up this studio. They needed me to go and into town and get some glue, and they said, "Oh, can you go and get in?" And, I, and it was snowing. And I said, well, I don't think I could really drive, you know, in the snow because I've lost my glove. Oh, you'll be all right. Go. We need the glue desperately. Go and get it. Because I was only what, 18 yeah. uh, at the time. And uh, so I got in their car and I was going up the lane, all covered in snow. And this white car came around the corner. I didn't really see it as a car because it just seemed like a white blur coming towards oh, me. And as, no. soon as, as soon as I realized I slammed the brakes on, which was the last thing I should have done because I hit the car. And then they said, yeah, well, we, we, we don't want the likes of you working for us. So uh, oh, I was on yeah. my bike. So but that, that, goes, was, that goes the film. That goes the Yeah, the, <laughs> that, all of that. But actually, that meant then I started working for myself pretty much. I, okay. I, I went to, um, I did a bit of teaching, um, mime, of all things. I got into mime. <laughs> I know right. it's a bit, yeah, mime. And here's Random. Me. I know. Well, I was doing lots of courses on theatre and things, and, and I got okay. into the mime, and and then I actually went to mime school. Oh, they have schools. Yeah, the homework's wow. great because you don't actually have to write anything. Um, <laughs> it's all invisible. You walk on the spot, and you know, and you sort of get blown by an invisible wind. Mind you, wind is invisible, so I yes. suppose it doesn't matter. <laughs> We take, you know, invisible, I get it. Yeah, we get invisible dogs for walks and all of that. Wow. Anyway, yeah, it was great. I, so I did that and I, I, I went touring around doing bits of mime um, all over the place at festivals and fates and galas. Wow. And it was very bizarre. And then, of course, I also picked up other circus skills to add to my um, repertoire. So I was lying on beds of nails, eating, um, eating and blowing fire. I would walk on broken, freshly broken glass, ride unicycles and ju- all these sort of skills, you know. That's amazing. I, juggling razor sharp. I, I juggled razor sharp knives over Tony Blackburn once. No way. For my sins. <laughs> my yeah. Lord. But just weird you should say that. My um, my dad used to train stuntmen and actors and actresses how to fall off horses. Oh, right. And one of the young lads, he was training to get his equity card to go into stunts. He used to have a gig down at Hampton Court Palace once a week doing the fire eating and the juggling. For the, yeah. They put on a down at Hampton Court Palace once a week. They'd put on a medieval banquet for companies and stuff to go down. So he was paid to go down there. Well, my little brother, who was four learnt how to fire eat and wow. do it and used to go down to do circus skills and everything else. It's just, isn't it weird how, how life, what directions life brings us in, you That's, know? Yeah. And um, of course a four-year-old's going to steal the show, isn't he? Oh, he totally did. He yeah. completely did. <laughs> you know, he was, Paul would always say, you know, I'm, I'm borrowing Christian for the night, you know, we're going to go down and they, they'd do their fire eating, juggling, juggling. And then Christian would, come back home yeah. so yeah it's uh quite bizarre so what woke you up where in your life were you when I say waking up I mean realizing that everything the BBC tells us is a lie uh COVID the whole lot what was the defining moment for you oh, to blimey. say I ain't buying this 
Yeah, the defi- I mean, it, I don't know that there was a defining moment. It was sort of an incremental thing. You meet people along the way who tell you things and you don't always, you know, believe what they say. And people were saying something about this and something about that, you know, over over like 20 odd years. And you're sort yeah. of just going, oh, this is I don't know. But the 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 point I was trying to make really about being self-employed is the interesting thing is when you work for yourself and you don't work for big companies, you you become more of a um you have a much more of an open mind because you're not falling into where a company wants you say this is our mindset yes. this is how we do Agreed. things you are individual and and it's only really in my life a bit of a fluke that I didn't didn't go to university not that I probably had the aptitude to but you know didn't get told how to think uh, and didn't end up in a large company or even in, um, say, with a even if even if I've managed to get in with a big film unit, you know, there would be union ways of doing things, and people would tell you how to do things. So the only thing really that was directing me would be mainstream media telling me how you live your life. And I used to listen religiously um, to Radio Four. We used to, my mum used to listen to it when I was a kid, and I loved the comedies on Radio Four. But as we got to Brexit, and I suppose it's Brexit that really shook me, was that's when even Radio 4, which I knew was a bit left wing, and I've always been on the on the right. You know, I've been my parents always voted for conservative for the yes, conservatives, they, yeah. mainly because I believed it was what they said. They were conserving our traditions, customs, history, way of life, that yeah. sort of thing. And whilst you know, the left might be a bit more progressive. And I felt that you need a little bit of the left and, and, a, and a slightly larger dollop of the of the right. And you, you would have, for me, that would be a nice mix. We need to progress a bit and improve things and be nice to everybody. But at the same time, we do need to have our family values and we need exactly. to have good, you know, looking after our borders and a police system that that sort of repels people to be nasty to one another and all that it just seemed a sensible balance. Yeah. Um, but when we got to Brexit, I noticed that Radio 4 and the BBC were being particularly um, uninterested and downright rude, really, about anybody who wanted to look after their country, felt that their country could stand on their own two feet. And what I really found bizarre is we'd only been in there for like 40 years. And I remembered, even though I was a kid at the time, when we went in thinking that you know, Britain was great on its own. We, you know, there was made in England and there was made in Britain stuff. And then suddenly we were in this foreign land, which seemed to me, um, and I couldn't see why we wouldn't want to get out of it and, and get back to being independent again. And I think it's just that independent spirit in me that felt like a country that's independent can make its own rules and look after its own borders Absolutely. And, and all of that. And And I suppose that's when I started to think, hang on a minute, the BBC and then the government are a bit slewed one way. They're not, they don't seem to be very helpful for everybody. They, you know, and, and of course, everybody was uh, quite surprised when the Brexit vote, the referendum fell the wrong way for them. Yeah, exactly. It's like, when, do you remember when they did it in Ireland, when they were uh, the Lisbon Treaty? Oh, and God, all that? yeah. And, oh, we'll give you another chance. Yeah, you didn't get it right. Uh, try you again. didn't get it right. Off you go. Do We'll keep doing it until you get it right. Yes. I know. And I'm amazed like... that they, I mean, they tried for that to happen here. They they, they really oh. did. I mean, we were in um, 
There was, uh, did you hit, do you remember uh, Carl Benjamin? He he was really slandered. He's now, he was with UKIP. Yes. And he went, he's Argon, 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 Argon of a Cad, wasn't he? Yeah. So he came to Totnes because I'm, I'm, I mean, it's, that is the most progressive place next to Bristol. It's frightening. But anyway, he came to Totnes and there were veterans, elderly veterans there. All people went to, went to have a talk, you know, um, listen to him talk, just coming up to Brexit. Mm. So he's there. Um, the people of Totnes, the lefties, the lovies, were throwing manure. They threw manure at a veteran who was holding up veterans for Brexit. They punched a 16-year-old girl who was a gothic, goth for Brexit. Uh, they were Totnes for hate, and it was absolutely terrible. And I, I looked in the local papers and the local papers reported that a milkshake was thrown at controversial troublemaker, um, Carl Benjamin. So I got on because it's these Devon Live, you know, all run by Mirror Group Reach Communications. They're all the same, every live around the country, all linked to the Mirror Group, all with one agenda. And I said, you got the story wrong about Totnes. And I said, why didn't you maybe speak to people who were there? It wasn't just a milkshake was thrown. And I explained it. Oh, well, we just phoned up the police and asked what's happened that day. So there's no journalism. Mm. There's no looking at stories. They'll call the police and the police will say, yeah, a milkshake was thrown at Sargon of a card. We had to be there. And that's the limit of their journalism. Dear, oh dear. It's frightening. Yeah, it's absolutely frightening, and how that they twist things as well. You know, we're the far right haters. What are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've been uh, classed as. Uh, have you? Have you? Have you been sleared yet? Have you had the the racist card well, thrown at you? The homophobic, and have you had those cards thrown at you yet, or haven't you got that controversial? Well, funnily enough, um, my YouTube channel, which I sort of, uh, well, I started in the sort of when, I don't know, like 2008 or something, and it was just personal stuff I was shoving up there. But when I got serious about it to try and make it earn a bit of money or something, it was about five and a half years ago in 2017. And I was walking around the countryside, the heritage, the landscape, and, and looking at nature and filming all that sort of stuff, using my filmmaking skills and bringing that. And, and funnily enough, just doing that, I had lots of, you know, I could make a comment about something, and particularly if I was saying, you know, this is nice and it was, it's a shame to have our borders invaded and things. And suddenly, oh, my God, you know, I I was I was all these sort of things, a racist and, a, you know, terrible nationalist. And if I even suggested of, you know, putting the, the English flag up, that was that was um, an athman, athman, I can't even say the word, but that was, a, a, you know, something that I should be ashamed of, be ashamed of being English. And yeah. so then... And I thought this is this is very what's happened. And I started to realize. Say where did it? Where did that start from? Where did that come from? Why the hell aren't people proud of their country? You know, you thought well, the Scots are proud of being Scottish, and the Welsh love their leeks and their sheep. And um, you know, what's uh, why? Why can't the English be proud of being English? And you know, all of this started to irk me a lot and so then I changed the the nature of my channel to be more about in search of England England and Englishness and that and the quirky nature of these eccentric bods who who've given the world all sorts of wonderful things over the um you know the last few hundred years and 
And that's when I started to feel it more. But funnily enough, now that I'm, and I've sort of changed pitch again because I've been more political and putting out opinions about, isn't it strange that the government are forcing this on us and we never asked for it type thing. And I feel I felt a lot less now attack. There seems to be a bit more warmth. So I, I don't amazing. know quite. I mean, it's not like I've changed my opinion or anything. No, no. Maybe it's just a different audience now and they yes. can't. They can't come up. I mean, let's talk about modern, like, how the pandemic, I mean, loads of us, I mean, all of us tin four hat brigade, I think most of us realised within the first week that it was all a load of nonsense. It was absolute rubbish. I mean, you just had to look at the television to see the people, the, the clips that they were putting out supposedly from China with people collapsing in the streets. Well, that was that was I mean, so. Susp- the- I mean, you know, you're you, you were in or in broadcasting, and you see these things, and and I was in filmmaking, and it all looks so clearly set up. Clearly, the whole, the whole, the whole thing. No one bought it. No one like on our department. But we're now seeing that was bad enough that people are losing their businesses, being confined to their homes. That was bad enough. But then what was to follow? Um with regards to the jab on what they were trying to do and how they were trying to enforce it on people and the levels to which they went, Richard. Mm. The fact that you couldn't even fall down in the street, break your neck and you're classed as COVID if it's with it, you know, Mm. the absolute lunacy. How did you fare during the lockdown? And then how did you fare after with the constant pressure of these jabs and doing it for granny um where where were you during all this the, those couple of years richard well i used to run this little show called the vogue show which was on a different channel to my main show um and it was just a sort of light-hearted comedy thing it was just a live streaming thing for about well about 100 people really would tune in nobody knew anything about it we just did it for a bit of fun once or twice a week and then when the lockdowns came i thought well, we can't go anywhere. We'll do more of these shows. So we did them every day, every evening, sort of from eight o'clock for two hours. And we would get people ringing in uh, or uh, putting their comments and we'd get people, you know, talking. And because I would be saying, this is a bit weird, isn't it? Isn't this weird, the situation with the COVID thing that you can't go to hospital when you're ill? Uh, if you've got if you've got this illness, whereas if you had a lump in your hand or on your breast or, you know, in your testes, you'd go straight to the doctor and say, yeah, I don't like the look of this. And the doctor say, no, I don't like the look of that. You better go down the hospital and have it checked. Whereas this time it was no, don't come anywhere near us until you are actually blue in the face and can't breathe. So that's just that's the complete reversal of how we do medicine. This is really odd. Um, and so, uh, but I was mentioning this and, and members of the audience were sort of getting a bit annoyed with me saying, oh, Richard, please don't talk about this sort of stuff. We, you know, we, they didn't want to be worried. I think that was half the thing. They wanted to believe the the rubbish that mainstream media was saying. And, and But the more the mainstream media were telling us one side of the story, the one science that we were supposed to follow, I kept thinking, well, what, what about the other side? You know, wh- where's the opposition in all this? Instead of locking us down, why aren't we just at least entertaining the idea that what would happen if we didn't lock down? What would happen if we just protected the vulnerable, like the Great Barrington Declaration came up? Why can't we discuss that? And, you know, and then you realise that any anyone questioning anything, you were being censored or shut down. And you'd see that from other people. 
so I I did sort of stay a bit quiet because I didn't want the channels to shut down. And then the whole business about there's only one solution. And you go, well, surely there's, you know, we, we can hear about vitamin D and zinc and getting outside and exercising and eating more healthily. And one of the questions I said to my audience, I said, this is ridiculous. Here we are in a situation in which the government could really turn around our health by saying, there's a virus. It's, it'll attack you if you're if you're not very healthy. So what we're going to do over the next year is to ensure that you eat better, get rid of the processed foods, encourage you to eat more healthy food, boost up your immune system. Those people who are very vulnerable to it, yeah, okay, we'll we'll, we'll fast track this a vaccine and and give it to them because that's what they need. But for the rest of us, let's all make sure that we're all healthy, keep the economy going. And all of that. But instead, this government decided to, to, you know, to to scupper everything. And And then they really must think the British public were fools. You know, you could be carrying it, but you won't know about it. Oh, you've got to be testing with these sticks, which can't differentiate. Even the guy who made the tests said it doesn't. It will just pick up an influenza. Mm. So and then you just keep testing tests. I mean, it was nonsense. And but the. It was the most, some of the most intelligent people were falling for this. Well, I, I, yeah, no, I agree. And and I mean, one of the, the, the nasty things that I felt was continually uh, bringing up the old blitz spirit of how we're all in it together, except we're all being separated. So you couldn't be together. You, you know, you think back to the war, people would come out, they would go down into the... Um, into the shelters, they would be singing patriotic songs together, they would be helping one another, and then after the bombing, they'd all be up and they're pulling out to the, the rescuing people and all. But no, no, we were, you know, so they were using the the sort of motifs of the 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 of the um the Second World War and all of that, that home spirit, the blight. Getting people on their doorsteps. Yeah. At eight o'clock to clap. To clap. To and Boris Johnson, because I've I I lost so many people just for this one action that I made. Um, when it all started, this clapping on the doorstep like lunatics at mm. thin air. Mm. Um, Boris Johnson was telling us these were wartime nurses, They're like wartime nurses. We should clap for the NHS. So I made the observation and put it out there. I put different pictures of all different dancing nurses, and I just posed the question. Boris Johnson's telling us these are wartime nurses. I'm just wondering how they have the one, the morale, to the energy to rehearse, choreographed, rehearse, and perform TikTok dancing. That was ludicrous. Absolutely. I mean, how that... did I how 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 are they? And because of that statement, I haven't been spoken to in the place where I live for nearly two years. <laughs> Because I made that statement, how dare I? How dare I? They're putting their lives in danger and they're just trying to make things better for us. Um, one of the things that convinced me the whole thing was a load of old rubbish was every time I went to the supermarket, we kept hearing about these deaths and the cases and all of this sort of nonsense. And yet I saw the same staff, same staff day in, day out, and that nobody was dying, nobody was off sick, nobody was disappearing. I kept thinking to myself, this is very strange, isn't it? We're supposed to be in this pandemic where they were told so many people are dying left, right and centre. And yet until they got the screen, you know, they still hadn't got the screens. And mm-hmm. and yet you could still use the touch thing on the self 
That's on, right. Yeah, and and because the numbers are always in the same place, see, there's my finger going where somebody else's finger has gone, and you know, oh, I've got an itch on my eye or on my nose or wherever, and and it's like this is very strange. We're not actually really stopping any infection from passing around, and yet nobody's dying. And can it really be as serious as it's all? You know, and I just and it's of, only the big supermarket chains that were were allowed to stay open. Yes, for <laughs> for essential stuff. And then here we go. I mean, we've it's basically wiped out what I mean, I was born in 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 the 70s. So my childhood during the 80s, the 90s, your local well, it's the 80s, you'd have you'd go down to your little green grocer, mm. you'd go down to your butcher, mm. you'd go down to your and then maybe you'd pop into Londis for your extra things and you'd have your milkman deliver your milk and your eggs. And people there would be people would congregate in the post office to go and have a chat. Well, they were doing away with all of that prior. They were trying to get all of this, you know, our who we are away from us. And um, I think they they brought COVID in trying to, to, to get every bit of how this country used to be um, removed. Mm. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's been this long creeping thing where we're supposedly progressing and I always whenever anyone says oh it's progress isn't it and I said well where are we what's what's you know when you progress somewhere you've got a destination in mind it seems like we haven't got a destination in mind well clearly there is some destination that's not been revealed to us it seems to me that we're being herded ever closer into a into a a not very nice uh, very unfriendly very separate and very controlled landscape So it seems to me, and I'm not very happy about that, really. No. So after it all came, after it all finished with the channel, uh, well, COVID, Mm. um, you took it, you started taking it down the political route. What was, what show was it that really sort of launched Richard Vose? Because at the moment you're you're sending the, the best message. You're reaching so many people. Everybody I speak to always mentions, oh, have you, have you, have you seen Richard Vose? He's doing amazing. And you really are hitting an audience that maybe us within the truth community for the last 10 years, you know, we, we maybe a bit too much for people or with that crazy conspiracy lot, even though now it turns out that everything we've said has been spot on. Mm. What was it? What, what was, what was the, your video that sort of like did the catapulting? Well, it was um, in November and um, I'd been watching a, an episode of GB News and Neil Oliver had been, we'd have been talking about the uh, fuel crisis, you know, saying all, all everything's going up. And it was the first sort of indication of this whole, what seemed, I mean, obviously you guys knew what was coming and all the rest of it, but to to to, to lay people like me, it seemed like, blimey, okay, they're putting up this it's all seemed a bit artificial and climate change was being blamed for it all and 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 so the everything was going up and neil oliver in his little slot on a saturday night said well what would happen if we didn't pay them if everybody just said no we're not going to pay you and and i thought there's an idea well i wonder what would happen so i just sat down in the chair that that i often and now seen in and i just did this one little piece to camera out of a bit of frustration really and said uh, well is he right and the, and i just sort of questioned it because i thought he was right that the people needed to make some sort of stance and and if everybody did it if everyone pulled together and said you know what we're not putting up with this maybe that would be the answer well i put that video out and 
and I put a picture of Neil Oliver on the thumbnail because I knew that people would recognize him and I thought well that might have a bit of traction well it had more than a bit of attraction for me at um I'd over the five and a half years of doing it I managed to sort of get up to about 26,000 subscribers which wasn't bad you know I was really thrilled to have that and I thought cool we might get by the end of the year if we're really lucky up to 30,000 well that video just it hit something like 200,000 within a couple of weeks but it immediately was hitting them and I thought bloody hell that's interesting so then I just followed it up with a thank you very much for um responding to that video I'm a bit overwhelmed and then that video in itself went really well and I could read the comments and see that people were absolutely wanting to talk about the issues of the day. And they clearly didn't seem to have many places to go to. And um, and I didn't really consider myself steeply in uh, in um, with the knowledge. I didn't say, you know, knowledgeable about the, all the subjects. So I just was carrying on just saying, well, I'm I'm just questioning it. It just seems very odd what's going on. And I soon realized that that was an approach that people liked because they said, you're not telling us, you're invoking us to have some thoughts for ourselves. And And the other thing that struck me is that the mainstream media would push out their lies and and scare people one way or another. And then if you wanted to do some research to find out, uh, well, are they right or are they wrong? You'd go online to other YouTube platforms or any of the other video platforms. And it was even more scary because they would be telling you what's happening in no uncertain terms. And I thought that is really scary. And I the thought the thing is, YouTube, sorry, Richard, I need yeah. to jump in there. YouTube took everybody down. Anyone who was talking truth and trying to wake people up, YouTube removed. So the majority of the public, the lay people, mm. would go to YouTube to have a look. Yeah. But they would never find it. And as you said, then you got onto the other channels. Yeah. And, and then uh, you started seeing what's going on. Yeah. And if yeah, you're not if you're not ready for it, it can be and and because I've for, for for the first month or so. I was watched because people were sending me links and they were saying, oh, did you know this? Have a look at this. And I would sit there and I would come away from the keyboard after an evening of watching three or four of these videos, visibly shaking with a, a very sinking feeling in my stomach, thinking we've had it. It's over. And and I was still putting out a video every day, questioning something, going, but this is str and, and then using a bit of whimsical uh, laughter and uh, you know, and they, because I found that was working for me. But but at the same time, I was researching stuff and forming a picture of which you're still trying to work out how much of it is a bluff, how much is it is a double bluff, where you know how much of it is fearing with with so much, and you're sort of pulling your own head apart trying to work out what is really true, what is really going on. What's you know, the more you find that it gets very dark and very deep. Um, and then I realized my role is is much more like a pimp on the street who's sort of going up to unsuspecting people and saying, do you want a good time? Um, and and someone challenged me on that. And I said, actually, I can refine that for you. I'm like the bloke who is on Tottenham Court Ro Road back in the 70s and 80s. I don't know if they still do this. And you'd be walking along and someone would come up to you and say, 
do you want a personality test? And you go, what are you talking about? No, no, for free, have a personality test. And they would shepherd you into this little shop. Uh, and it was for the Scientologists who were doing these free person personality to was it or was it hubbard one of those one of those sort of people they'd hired this thing and you could get this and you go oh yeah cool and they go don't forget you could buy the oh yeah it was mr hubbard so you could buy the book and all this sort of nonsense and um so so what it what so what i mean is i'm sort of there as your everyman going isn't it odd that the government are thinking of bringing in an id that we'd all have to have a digital idea i wonder what that's all about you're planting the seed plant exactly so then people go oh i wonder what that is i wonder if obes is right and then they go off and then they they are ready to face stuff that you and others may be saying in more detail from a knowledgeable position yeah yeah um with with regards to knowledge Mm. um what is the school system at the moment? You said you did a bit of teaching and you've got children, mm. um, I do believe. Uh, they're children? all older now. They've got children, well, not all of them, yeah. but one of them's got children of his own. Right. So you're, you've got children. Um, at school, when you would send your child off to school, you would, I presume, say, be good, do what your teacher tells you, listen in class, don't muck about something along those lines. Generally, I would think most British parents say to their children when they pack them off and they would go off and they would learn English, maths, science, maybe some languages, a bit of geography. And then mm. they'd come home and they'd go out and play. Yeah. Today, our children are being packed off to school, being told to listen to teachers just coming out of university who are very woke have been indoctrinated and our children now don't only go in to learn English, math, science, English and geography. They're now bringing sex education into the classroom before that used to be covered in biology. You just get the race. I didn't even, I was at a school run by nuns. I never even had a sex education lesson. Um, <laughs> I did. Okay. I was, I've got two children and uh, I did seem to manage with that. Okay. Uh, but now they are, enforcing well there's no parental opt-out they're definitely not in wales uh they've just brought that through uh that children as young as three are now going to be taught about masturbation about gender ideology uh they're being taught that there are 72 genders they're being taught that men fathers can have uh children what are your thoughts when you see all this going on? The reason I'm bringing this up, Richard, is we I work very closely with Public Child Protection Wales, who we missed it in this country. This The education's already here. It started in Scotland and it's already here in the UK, in England. But it was due to it was rolled out in Wales in September. So the year prior to that, a group of mums and a dad started campaigning and looking into what was going on in the schools. Mm. and exposing it and they took the welsh government to court and they were successful they got a judicial review they have to stomach up the money themselves anyway they tried to uh, get an injunction because they hadn't got the court date through to stop it and they lost that they got i think about twenty thousand pounds worth of costs forced on Thank them you. yeah they then went to court in november we were down there reporting no bbc would come the BBC building was exactly opposite the court building <laughs> and there was no 
there was no representation. We had people come down. There was a few hundred people down there, mothers and families from all walks of life, finding common ground. You know, yeah. there were some yeah. people who even had masks on still. Mm. You know, all different kinds that our children don't need. And the, the fact that they're forcing it, you can't parental opt out. And it's going to three-year-olds. So these parents, they lost the case. It was unfortunately, it was a very woke judge. And they've now had 75,000 in costs. Bearing in mind, we had one, bar the, the mums, the, the parents had one barrister and that was it. Obviously, the government had a team, a legal team of six um, using taxpayers' money to fight the parents of Wales. And I would, one, like to invite you onto our podcast-a-thon that we're doing to raise money for the appeal. Uh, that we are, we've, it'll be our third one. We mm. did one, mm. a do, broadcasting for 30 hours nonstop. Oh, right, okay. And we raised, we've raised about £12,000 so far. We have guests on from America, everyone talking. And then we go and we look at the reading material and we go through the books of all ages. Nine-year-olds saying that anal sex is the way to have safe sex. That's for nine-year-olds. Nine-year-olds given a um, a survey to do in the classroom asking how, the, how old they were when they lost their virginity. My. So where I'm getting to, Richard, is mm. what are your thoughts on this matter? Because to me... Our children, it sounds canny, are our future. We we have to protect them. We should be protecting that innocence. What are your thoughts? Well, um, what you've just described, it sounds hell on earth, doesn't it? It just, it doesn't resonate with me as one scrap of morals in there. It doesn't compare at all to my innocent little childhood a lot of people say about my my uh, podcast you know there's a certain naivety that I bring to it and I'm very proud to have a bit of naivety yeah. really and and I think kids the kids have absolutely this is this is completely adult stuff that even an 18 year old perhaps is going to struggle with let alone a three-year-old whose brain hasn't properly developed yet I mean, it's clearly I this struggle is, at 48 dealing with uh, seeing what's being given. Yeah, but this is happening. This is this is reality. And I know COVID yeah. is important. I know the 15 minute cities are important. But in the meantime, every parent in this country is packing their child off mm. to be taught by. We don't know the people really who are teaching. How deep do these background checks go? Well, I you mean, the, the, the answer is to take your kid out of school, deregister them and 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 get. Uh, do it at home. I did a couple of um, uh, videos recently. One with a lady called Anna, who ha her child was bullied, and so she took him took her out. And she said, actually, now she's excelling. And um, a chap called Rich, who I interviewed, who homeschooled and does is involved in homeschooling, and he was again saying, look, there are lots of different. There are three principal ways of teaching your kids at school. There is a sort of curriculum based one. There's a one that's semi-curriculum and one is perfectly legal and that is unschool is it oh, i can't remember what it's called but it's basically you don't have to even give them anything that because children are sponges and they will ask and you can give them you can teach ch children by giving them projects and it can be you know whatever it is you know if they are into dinosaurs you can say, well, you know, let's let's measure a dinosaur. Let's try and work out the weight of a dinosaur. Let's see the sort of things it would eat. 
and and you know, just by having a project, you can actually bring in all sorts of other sciences or other things and read about dinosaurs and use mathematics. You know, you can you can learn a hell of a lot in a way. But get it, it seems to me the education system is not fit for purpose and it's bust and nobody should go into it. And now, of course, we're in a situation in which the government are forcing down upon us, it seems to me, to make people have to work longer hours. So there is no choice that you have to send your kids out so that you can work. Um, and this seems, again, it's a very unfair system. That the, the, We have governments that shouldn't be governing. That's the bottom line. And all of this stems back to this principle that we are the sovereign people we put these people there we pay their wages they are servants you know they are they are servants to us and we've we've got to take back that control and and also take back the responsibility exactly because we farmed it out to like every time there's something wrong we say oh the government should do this or the government should do that and it starts with the children because as you say there's nothing um, silly about saying they're the next generation because they're being indoctrinated with all this crap uh, and they won't know any different. And the parents are the ones who should be responsible for their children, not strangers who have no emotional connection with them at all. And yet we've been, you know, we're all guilty of of feeling that this is the system that's in place and it's the only option but it isn't. We can take them out. And there are networks yeah. that will help people because, yeah. you know, these kids should not be abused. And I think it is abuse. It, oh, it totally is. Totally I mean, abuse. one one child went back, you know, with learning difficulties and got into bed with his mum and was getting on top of her. And so she jumps up, what are you doing? Says, I want to put sperm in you and make a baby. No, you know, this is, you know, it's so innocent, is not, isn't it? It's so innocent exactly. from a child. And it's being stripped and yes. we cannot get the word out. You know, the fact that we have to go on air and plead people to spare five pounds to support these mums with the mm. legal costs mm. to stop this education. I mean, we, the interviews we've, we've done over the podcast-a-thons with, you know, Lawrence Fox has been on, mm. uh, James Dellingpole's been on, Clive came on to talk about, you know, the mental issues with health issues that this education's doing. We had people from all walks of life coming on and talking and parents who've had to pull their kids out of school. Our, our Catherine, She's homeschools her daughter exactly the way you just said, giving them projects. Mm. And she's an absolute little genius. And she's not being influenced by what's going on at school. Uh, but this is on dangerous territory. They're pushing the LGBTQ uh, stuff. They are, you know, this this whole thing of, you know, the gender. I mean, what it's doing, the, the damage, psychological damage that mm. it's doing to these children and what what we're going to have to deal with in, in later on, like with mental health care for, for people like this, you know, they're encouraging people, young people to cut off their genitals, that to take puberty blockers. I, I, yeah. yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's it is absolutely horrendous. And it's clearly there's clearly a plan. For and we this. can't it's get not, the message not, out. It's we not can't. an accident that no. we're we're in this direction because because if you left people to themselves, I think just instinctive parents uh, would look after their kids. I mean, you only have to go back a couple of hundred years. I mean, okay, kids were forced out into the fields to pick stones or scare crows from the fields and they would work. And, you know, okay, you had 
your uh, master sweep and kids would be sent up the chimneys and there were some dreadful things that happened. Absolutely. But kids became part of the family. They became part of the family unit. And you looked after the kids because they were also earning money for the family to keep you going. They were an asset. They were something that you 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 wanted uh, you didn't necessarily want too many of them if you were poor because, you know, there was going to be another mouth to feed. But all the time they could contribute and help you. They were a valuable asset. And uh, so and and when you were older, you know, because of the way society worked back then, families were uh, closer together. They would be there to look after you. Yep. And hopefully when the time came and you became a little bit too senile, they could just tap you on the head and send you on your way. Um, but you know they were there to they were there to look after you. Now it seems that the family is being deliberately destroyed, and children's whole future is being controlled again by this wonderful benevolent government that's supposedly looking after us. That nobody's actually voted for all these things in. I mean, no one's asked for it. I mean, I haven't been consulted as a member of the community whether I want children in my community to be given this kind of information. And, and I think we should. Absolutely. No, no public consultations. I mean, I do remember back on the UK column, probably 2012, Brian and I were presenting and I held up the documentation. I held up. This is what's coming from you, mm. from UNESCO. This is what is coming for you. And we fell asleep. They they slipped it in here. It went into Scotland. I look how crazy things have got in Scotland. I mean, they will bring out every child that's being born is going to be issued a, a social worker. Um, that's every single child in Scotland. And they, they, they were far more ferocious with it over there. Uh, then it's come here gradually, gradually. But Wales are going full on bringing it into the little ones first. Mm. Well, that's Not how the you secondary get school. Yeah, I mean, there's just. But then, I mean, how do we combat it? We we get silenced. We're taken down, literally everywhere. I mean, people are complaining that they've been deplatformed off PayPal. Or that happened to us a year and a half ago. Mm. Um, Patreon cancelled us. Stripe cancelled us. I can't even open an eBay account. Um, so we are totally cancelled. I mean, we're we are so we're so buried deep. If they manage to bring in the social credit system, but I don't think it's going to get to that. I really don't. Uh, but how do we combat this, Richard? How do we get this voice heard? Because this message, people don't don't want out. The government doesn't want out about what's going on in the classrooms and the people at the teach the teacher trainers who go into you know train the teachers to to, uh, to deliver this education. She says. You don't tell the parents what's going on. You don't want 30 parents turning up on your uh, at your door after school. So you don't tell the parents what you're doing. And that was from a Dr. Ellie Barnes, who was giving a conference on delivering the uh, that education. So what do we do, Richard? How do we get over this? Well, I'm glad you asked me because I am, of course, a leading authority on the answers of everything <laughs> you could possibly do. Your opinion. Uh, yeah, yeah, my opinion. What do we do? Well, it's difficult if you can't reach people. I mean, I think yeah. there is nothing better. Th uh, it, it, well, what do you do? I mean, I was going to say it's nothing better than actually face-to-face -face stuff. I mean, in the one hand, we've got to shame the people who are teaching the stuff and say, is this right? Yeah. I think, you know, you've got to get it. It's got to get out there into the public. I mean, where I think it was an interesting situation is with the teacher who was teaching up in, was it Birmingham, who was who was showing the prophets cartoons as part of a religious lesson. 
Yeah. And then you had you had the 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 um the religious set who were on that side of the the thing, the Muslim people who were saying you can't show this uh because that's part of our religion and what have you. And you're saying, well, you know, in a free democracy, what does it matter? But you had them, and then you had a lot of the LGBT people also coming out. Um and I think that's that's where the, the left have that problem where they don't want to be racist. And at the same time, there are a certain religious society who don't want to have gays and lesbians as part of their thing. And yet the left can't really deal with that because they they want to have the the minorities, but they also want to have the sexual minorities. And yet the, the those two separate groups can't really get on with each other because of their differences. And so it's it's almost as if that was sort of slowly eroding what was going on because the the muslim people don't want the kids to be taught this either because of their religion and what they have i think to their advantage is and this is going to sound really strange is they can put the bloody frighteners into you because they'll say well if you don't if you if you don't do it we'll come and kill you we'll just chop your head off uh, and you, you know and i'm not saying that by the way i'm not saying that is an answer but it, it people aren't showing those profit pictures in schools because people are so scared that they will actually come along and, and slice their heads off because that's the extremity yeah. of their religion. I mean, we had the most, we had Azar, um, there's the guys from Birmingham who were actually arrested um, outside the schools because they didn't want this education going when it hit Birmingham. They didn't want, they wanted right. the right to remove their children and they did a protest outside the school and they, they come down to all the meetings down in Cardiff at the Senate they're down there today, actually, um, at the Senate, um, where Kimberly and the girls from Public Child Protection Wales, they get up and they'll go through what's going on and educate people. Um, and the guys, the Muslim guys. But then you've got the Drag Queen Story Hour. I don't know if you saw it this weekend. Uh, what's his name? Who's fa- who's the, the father guy with the Calvin, Dr. Father Calvin? Uh, oh, yeah. On, um... He was in Lewisham at a Drag Queen Story Hour. And Antifa were there and the police were protecting Antifa and the drag queen. And somebody started reading the Lord's Prayer just to the to the Antifa lot. You should have seen it. The trigger, the trigger that that did, Richard, Mm. by somebody just stepping forward. You know, Antifa were throwing bottles. They were kettling. You know, there's all the live stream of it. And then somebody just stepped forward and started reading from the Bible and they were absolutely triggered like anything. Incredible. And there's been recently that author who wrote Christian books and he's been banned from libraries for reading the book in libraries, but they're letting the drag queens go in and read the stories. It's insane. Everything seems to have been flipped upside down. Yes, we've got to flip it back. We do have to flip it back. We do. We really do. So, what's next for you, Richard? Sorry, I had where every show. No, I no, no. It's interesting because I mean, one one's got to work out how they did it. How they? Did, I mean, they've done it over a long period of times. So, you know that long march through the institutions business, and we've somehow got to to do the same on on the same and, and infiltrate them in the same way that they've infiltrated us. The sad thing is we don't really have any time because all the time they're hitting the next generation who will grow up with those thoughts and think that that's right and normal. Exactly. And and what's right and normal in in their world will be to us absolutely heinous and horrible. And of course, we'll not 
will not populate the world in a very healthy way at all. If it can even, you know, if you just continue to do anal sex, you're not going to get anybody pregnant whatsoever. Um, And so, but somehow we've got to be able to shine the light. And I do believe in humanity and and in the good. And I can't give you the answers this second. Um, But there's got, there's got to be, there's got to be a way uh, and I don't know what it is. As I say, I don't know what it is at the moment. So I'll have to think. I'll have to yes, think. I think parents. My my question is, where are the pa- where's the fathers? If they, if you know, do mm. they really know what they're being taught? You know, well, I wouldn't want my child learning about sex from anybody but me. When my child, I would feel was ready, and it's certainly not at the age of three, four, five, six, seven, eight, or even nine. Mm. I know. If, I, I I agree. Um, my my i i wonder i mean i don't know maybe i shouldn't say it but um kids can take a lot can't they i mean kids you can throw a kid i'm not saying you can but kids can fall down the stairs and they'll bounce a bit because their bones are, are not you know fully formed or, or brittle or whatever and i think the minds can also accept a lot and and deprocess it quite quickly um so i think there's hope for kids that have been taught this that they can be but it's a, a so they can be sort of made to sort of get rid of that if you like um if if it's not too indoctrinated too many times you know so once you have somebody dressed up as a, a you know man dressed up as a woman doing story time once is all is i'm not saying it's all right but i'm just saying it's probably less harmful because like in advertising it's the drip drip the constant reminder the constant thing um so once is sort of dismissive because you can then just say, well, you know, it's like a pantomime, isn't it? The pantomime dame is usually a man and it's all a bit of a laugh and you can get rid of it that way. But if it's continually everywhere the kid goes and that's what it does seem to be, doesn't it? It's that sort of yeah. constant dripping in. Then they think that is normal and that's the thing one's got to address. But so, you know, you, if you can't get in the institutions, you've either got to take the kids out of the institutions or you've got to get the parents saying, look, actually, we need to we need to sort of set Take up action. our own schools. Yeah, exactly. And I know you, there's legal things about, oh, you're not supposed to do it. But in the end, if if everybody was setting up their own schools and said to the government, Sodja, well, go on and take us to court. But, you know, we're not we're not going to if everyone does it, say we just don't want this. Thank you. Very kind. But I don't want it. We don't want that sort of stuff. And And you're, you're right. The parents have got to know they've got to find out. I think it's tackling the parents has got to be the key because the institutions are not going to change. They've all, you know, they're doing what they're doing. You're not going to change them, but you've got to change the parents and say, look, if do you know this is happening? If you know this is happening, are you happy about it? And if you're happy about it, fine, you know, it's your child. But if you're not happy about it, these are the alternatives. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Richard. Thank you for that. I do have to bring up because to me, the children are the most. Oh, absolutely. They are so important. And I've got to get what these mums in Wales are doing. Mm. There's four of them, you know, and they're being attacked from everyone, you know, government, et cetera. We've got us, the people they're taking on. They're not just doing it for the kids of Wales. They're there's because it will set a precedent. Mm. So then we can take our government to court and get it removed from our schools and gain, or at least gain our parental opt out back. Um, and I do, and I'm, I, I'm sorry. I just have to bring that subject up because it's so very, very important. Um, 
it's so important. <laughs> so yeah. what's next for you, Richard? Where is the channel going? What, where can you see things going? Um, well, I, I have a um, I have a sister channel, which I've set up with my girlfriend, the lovely Julia, um, and it's called The English Couple. And so we sort of also want to carry on doing what I used to do, which was the traveling around, looking at England and being positive and having, you know, looking at our traditions and our customs and being positive about the world. Um, because I think that's very, very important to hold on to what we've got, basically Absolutely. what we were just saying with the children and, and having something wholesome that isn't um, looking at the dark side and trying to sort of either make light of it or inform people about it. Um, and, and as we're coming into the spring and hopefully in the nice summer, I've got a, a little van that I've converted. So we'll hopefully be going around a bit, doing a bit of that, um, exploring. And I thought, well, probably in order to keep my, my main channel going, instead of being sat on the sofa, I may be discovered in a bit of landscape uh, talking about stuff, which would actually be quite nice if it's, you know, beautiful landscape, because I can say this is what we're going to lose. This is this is what we're going to lose with the 15 minute cities and the, the digital <laughs> IDs, you know, and all this sort of rubbish is the ability to be free spirits. And that's what we need to be. We need to get back into a sense of freedom and not feel all the time that there are these statutes and there's these rules and that these infringements and that the government is purely there to make money from us any way they can by setting all these traps, which is what it seems to me to be. And so I will continue to until, you know, somebody stops the channel, I suppose, um, to talk about that. I hadn't really given it a huge amount of thought into the future, other than that I would like to get back to the land myself and grow things and um, connect with nature, because I think that's very important. And I, I need to practice what I preach. Yeah. Well, if you come to Devon, please let me know. We'd love to see you down here in the South Hams. Well, beautiful countryside. I have, I've been through the South Hams um, because all those lovely, very narrow, high hedged lanes yes. that wiggle and wind. Um, I did, yeah, I've been down there. And then you meet a tractor and you've got to find yes. someone else. Welcome to my it. world. Yeah, I love it down there. It's, <laughs> it's very beautiful. Wouldn't mind trying to find somewhere down there to sort of move. Well, and, I'll yeah. set you up. We have no problem. You are more than welcome. Not far from beautiful white sand little beaches and a stone's throw from Dartmoor as well. So oh, lovely. I am very, very, very blessed. Whereabouts oh. are you in the country, Richard? I am in Worthing in Sussex, Okay, down on the seafront. So it's nice to be near the sea. I, I would miss the sea, but it's got a little so. bit too big for me now. And, you know, the people are people come down from London. They're exiting London. They go to Brighton. And then the people in Brighton are going, oh, there's too many Londoners. And they start going west. So they've been yeah. coming to Worthing and, and along. And, and now I'm thinking, actually, you know, I need to go a bit further west. So maybe Devon. So look out for some nice property for me and I'll, I'll whiz down I there. I certainly will. I certainly will. Um, Richard, thank you so, so much for coming on. And I would like to invite you to join us on the podcast-a-thon if you can spare an hour over yeah. the course of the weekend. Um, it's the 28th and 29th of April, I think. All right. Okay. I'm not sure. I'll, I'll let you know. Yeah. But it would be lovely if you could join us. We're raising money, obviously, for Public Child Protection Wales, who have put in an appeal um it goes to the court of appeal next and if they how much do you their... need 
Well, we've raised, originally it was 100 grand. Bloody hell. Uh, we've, we've nearly hit that over the course of a couple of years. They have, well, since 2021, they started. Um, so already they've had 75,000 in costs go and I think nearly 20. So we're back starting again, really. So um, if people want to find out more or donate to the campaign, as you know, you can go to publicchildprotectionwales.org. Uh, go down to the donate to the campaign. If you don't want to pay the the fundraiser fee that the, the psych check, you just need to uh, just to go in and just say no thanks for putting in a extra quid or something. And uh, please donate. Liberty Tax is very proud that we have donated over £12,000 and uh, the £3 challenge is still going on as well guys if you want to do that £3 it's less than a pint you're sure you've got a bit of change whack it on your debit card chuck over £3 to to the mums of Wales they're doing it for every child here in the UK Richard Vobes how can people find you and all of your work I'm sure everybody who's listening to the show is already doing so but just in case American friends um, are listening yeah. in um, well, I've I've hidden it all. It's all down a little secret tunnel now. I, I don't want anyone to find me whatsoever. Um, but if they put in uh, on YouTube, Richard Vobes, I'm afraid my little bald head will pop up. Um, so yeah, just Richard Vobes, and I've got a I've got a website, richardvobes.com. Um, that's it, really. Brilliant, Richard. I really do hope. I'd love to have you back on. It's been such a lovely chat. Thank you. No, and... I've enjoyed it. Well, you've been talking about me, so I suppose I would. Yeah. But, um... <laughs> And I'd like to talk more about you next time. And obviously, I'd love you to come on to the podcastathon. Absolutely. And I'll let you know the Well, yeah, do anything I can do, just let me know because I think what you're doing is absolutely brilliant. Bless you. Well, you're 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 getting the reach. So we are all we're all so thankful for you, Richard, because you're getting to the audiences that we can no longer get to. So keep it up. Keep it up. Keep, I will. keep your nose clean, as they say. I'll do my best. What what um what song would you like me to find to play out for you? Is there anything in particular? Um that you oh, I didn't expect that. So I know, I, sorry, Okay. Um any song? Any song you want. Okay, this'll be a bit left field then. Uh the theme to the television series Black Beauty. Can oh, you, me- you remember yes. that? I, bum, 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 Honestly, bum, I had bum, bum. <laughs>